Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. At the start of another week, another episode of The Last Dance has just gone down. Uh, Frank, uh, I know we've, we've spoken about this. I, I don't think you're watching it live as they drop. It hasn't even came out in Australia yet, so I'm well behind the times. But uh, we do have some basketball news to discuss today and we had a different plan for today's show originally but this came out sort of over the weekend and I certainly think it's worth discussing in relation to the Bucks and what it might, might mean for the NBA moving forward and that was that Woj tweeted along with all the other newsbreakers that uh, break this kind of stuff he said beginning on May 1st the NBA is allowing teams to open their practice facilities to players in cities and states where local governments have eased stay-at-home orders now this is, this is kind of an interesting part of news that, that has come out here because it is really the first little instance or sign of basketball returning. I don't personally know whether this is a huge step rather than uh, the NBA just simply following the orders and saying, well, we can't stop guys going to, to a practice facility if literally the governor or the, or the state has eased these restrictions. So I, I'm not sure what this actually means for the NBA, but when you see this news drop over the weekend what's uh, some of the first thoughts you have in regards to, to what this could could really mean big picture well i think you kind of hinted to it i mean we, we've said it before this was the the idea that that mark lazary put forward put forth um right after everything got shut down in mid-march but just that a lot of these decisions are going to be made for the nba right um it, this was never going to be something where the nba just decides when they reopen and decides when they start, they can play games again and all that other stuff. Um, it's going to have to be in concert with what's happening um, at the, you know, state, federal, but also even like city and county level, right? I mean, I think uh, even when you go zoom in from the state level, um, you know, different cities reacted differently uh, to, to all of this, especially when it was first happening, you know, we're, uh, states didn't seem to make moves initially. Some cities did. So, um, you know, the challenge here obviously is that you've got 30 teams in um, 29 markets, I guess, uh, and everybody's going to be playing kind of by different rules. And I think that's the biggest challenge here is that different cities uh, where teams are playing are going to be uh, facing different realities as far as what's possible. So, you know, I think strictly speaking, um, based on what we know about Wisconsin. And um, even if, you know, again, we're, the league is saying that on May 1st, uh, teams that are in cities, places where they can start opening up practice facilities, even in very limited ways, it doesn't seem like that would apply to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks at this point yet. Um, but uh, again, I mean, we'll have to see. Wisconsin's obviously right now kind of a, a, a uh, crucible for a lot of the arguments um, between you know folks who want to more aggressively start to reopen versus those 
who are obviously looking at this as, you know, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. And, and if we do say something too quickly, then um, we could backslide and, and basically, you know, be back at square one pretty quickly with some, you know, this sort of second surge idea. So, um, you know, we are obviously not political observers. Uh, we, we are not going to try to, um, you know, weigh the pros and cons of this from like a Wisconsin perspective. Uh, lots of people are out there that can, better better do that but um you know basically i think that the quick summary in wisconsin um uh, governor tony evers has put forward a set of criteria some of which are, are not kind of fully not kind of fully um fleshed out yet but i think just the summary right now I and mean, you can look this uh on the the department of health services uh wisconsin.gov website but basically um they are looking for before they can for the governor saying that they're going to, you know, essentially start reopening the state. It is a downward trajectory of, um, you know, illnesses, basically, um, a downward trajectory of uh, COVID cases, uh, and both of those over a 14-day period, and also downward trajectory of positive tests. So a few different ways of looking at um, not just positive tests, but also things that look like it might be COVID type, type situations. Uh, and again, this sort of speaks to the kind of testing issues, because right now, obviously, I think testing uh, in the last couple of weeks has increased significantly, but, um, you know, still not, I think, where people would say it needs to be. So uh, there's some criteria out there. There's also hospital uh, level criteria, which is kind of still under development. But, you know, right now, all those statuses, all those sort of gating criteria that have been put out there, all of them are still in the red. Wisconsin has not met those yet. So I think everybody obviously is is hoping to see an improvement here, obviously, and to start, you know, again, the flattening of the curve, all those things, uh, so that, you know, we can, again, I, I hate to say, oh, just reopen things or get back to normal, because I think we're so far back from anything like being back to normal, right? Um, even if things get reopened, you know, are people going to actually want to go to restaurants, movie theaters, all these different places? I mean, who knows, right? It just seems like some of the polls I've seen in America, and I don't, I don't know what it's like for UK and in Australia, what you're seeing down there, but um, you know, there's still a wide uh, hesitation um, to actually go and, and return to normal, even if uh, states nominally do uh, allow a lot of that to start happening. So, so that's kind of what's happening in Wisconsin. There's obviously a lot of opposition to this. There's been pushback, um, lawsuits to try to uh, see if, you know, some of these, uh, I guess the criteria for lack of a better term, uh, can be set aside uh, and that things can happen more quickly. Uh, the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce um, uh, Group came out on Friday with sort of an alternative set of criteria, which, you know, I think is, again, if you want to see some some progress on any of this, like, again, let's at least have differing opinions and, and actual plans. Um, so they put forward some different things around um, that are more kind of like locational based. So, you know, looking at sort of the county side of it rather than just overall at the state level, which is obviously going to be a major argument. but. Um, Long story short, you know, we're definitely not close to uh, Wisconsin reopening by May 1st. So, uh, you know, and, and Illinois also doesn't look any close at all. The Illinois obviously had a lot of issues, been along with Michigan, probably the kind of two states in the Midwest that have probably had the most challenges around this or the highest caseload. So um, I'm, I'm guessing we're not going to see, uh, you know, Bucks players down uh, organizing at, uh, you know, any of the team facilities in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I also don't think anybody's going to be hopping over to, to Illinois to do, to do that either. But, um, again, I think as 
far as like dipping the toe in the water and the league following the lead of uh, you know state, local, and federal officials, that's pretty much all this is. Um, but until we see a broader reopening of the country, I mean, again, even if you are going to say let's let's play games in one place, we're still a far far way off from um, from really having any sense of of what that might be, what the timing of that might look like, and. Obviously, we wish we wish we could say that there was more certainty in any of this, but um, you know, there's still tons of uncertainty within each market. I would say, and uh, that to me is also why it it, it makes it impossible, virtually impossible, for me to see um, basketball being played this summer um, in like localized markets, just because it feels like there's probably going to be enough differences between cities that you know you're probably going to need to do something more centrally in order to manage this. And, and that's not even talking about, you know, managing testing and quarantining and all that kind of other stuff. So um, yeah, I would say probably not as, as big a change as maybe it seemed at first blush, but um, you know, probably one that the league, again, I don't think it's a very controversial thing for the league, but um, I, I don't know. We'll see as some of these States begin to again, put their dip their toes in. You can only hope that obviously we don't see, um, sort of, you know, regression in terms of the, the improvements that we're seeing in, in, in different places. In some places, we're not seeing improvements, right? So um, I don't know. I, I would say let's not get too hopeful, but um, it's, it's a very, very, very small first step. And, and now um, it's a matter of seeing kind of what happens next. So you mentioned Australia, and I, I do think Australia is an interesting a case study as we move through all this uh, right now as the, the last numbers I'm looking at here from a couple of hours ago on Monday afternoon total cases for the the whole of Australia 6,719 total deaths 83 uh, in the state that I live Victoria 1,349 but the numbers have been really really flat now for for a couple of weeks I mean Australia and certainly New Zealand as well has done a fantastic job as well as anyone even if you adjust those numbers for population. Australia and New Zealand have done great and they've been able to keep this thing under control. But the reason things still haven't opened up here and the restrictions are as tight as they are is because as we keep discussing, people don't really know (laughs) what's going to happen or how to go about opening these things up. I thought one of the interesting words that was used in this tweet from Woj, he says, the NBA is allowing teams to open their practice facilities. And it's interesting because uh, he followed this up with a tweet after that where uh, he said that other players around the league are starting to approach their teams and say, okay, well, if this is the case, then let's just let's go to an extreme example. Let's just say Giannis for whatever, just to, to use a Milwaukee example. Giannis goes to the Bucks and says, hey, well, maybe uh, I should go to, to Georgia so I can work out. And Woj quickly points out, well, uh, no, they don't want players just hanging out at any random gym in, in, in Atlanta because they're allowed to go and play. Uh, this is still a very controlled measure by the NBA because they know if they let these plays in, and it must be noted, this is for, for one-on-one workouts. The whole Atlanta Hawks roster is not going to the practice facility and working out. That's still not allowed. So there are one-on-one uh, workouts. So the NBA can at least control a facility there and provide what you know mostly will be a safe environment for a guy to go in and get shots up. Now, that's some advantage, sure, for those guys. They'll get in a couple of weeks earlier than others. But... It's just, it's not a huge step. I mean, this isn't the beginning of this training camp uh, idea that we've heard thrown around. This is simply, as you pointed to, 
states saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to test the waters with opening things up. And the NBA saying, okay, well, how can we protect our players as best as we possibly can? Because uh, we still know uh, if things start to open up and a player or multiple players or staff members, coaches, whoever it may be, contract the virus, then this is, the whole thing is still going to get set back because until the testing is right and until you are comfortable that you can put everyone even into this quarantine zone that they keep talking about. I mean, we're still, we're still a long way off that. Uh, I, I think it's just worth noting that uh, for now, this is just one-on-one or individual workouts. And the other thing that's, that's interesting is that he says that the NBA is going to start to work with other teams where the orders, the stay-at-home orders have not been loosened. So, of course, that, that does include Milwaukee. And he, uh, he says that the NBA is going to work with those teams for other arrangements. I would not be surprised if we see sometime in the next few weeks here where practice facilities are opened up or there is some deal reached with the states or, and the league and the government, whatever it may be, where guys can go in and get shots up. It seems that that might be the direction we're heading. But as we found out last week by, by talking to George Hill and, and obviously DJ Wilson did a Instagram live with Zora as well. He's back in California. I mean, these guys are also spread all over the, <laughs> all over the, uh, the country right now. So uh, it's, it's just complicated. Everything is complicated. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, and, and I think the lack of uniformity, the biggest challenge here is that, you know, getting getting the sport let's just say you, you take the, the a couple leaps forward and you say all right we have a path to resuming this season in some way right let's assume it's the kind of quarantine tournament type type thing the quarantine tournament or whatever you want to call it um you know you pick a place let's assume you know i know las vegas was trying to move forward with opening their city up so let's just say it's going to be in vegas or something like that right in, in july we're going to have a tournament in vegas or something for the sake of argument um well, yeah, I mean, you're kind of alluding to it. If, if certain cities are opened up and can get shots up and guys can come in and even just get shots up or work out by themselves at facilities versus other places that can't do that, then you're immediately going to, I think, have questions of, well, what's the fairness of this, right? Um, it's going to be hard to kind of ramp back up, especially, I think, older players um, to get back up ready for the season after a couple months off without access to facilities. Um, so if there's not a uniform level of access to that, then obviously the concern is that you're going to have some, some teams being, you know, in, in advantageous situations over others. So I think the league, as you were alluding to, will certainly want to try to solve that. Um, but what that looks like, who knows, right? And, and obviously with players scattered all across the country for, for all these teams, um, it's, not even, it's not even really clear that, that necessarily that, that probably mutes some of the benefit just because it's not like every – team is just sitting in their hometown waiting for their practice facility to reopen um but uh i don't know man it's just you know it's forcing certainly the league and also us as fans to have to kind of do the logic and and figure out uh how all these things are going to fit together and obviously you know we're not we never thought we'd have to think about these things um but also i mean nobody's ever had had to think about these things it's not like uh, you know, there are people around who have had to uh, worry about a reopening sports sports leagues during, you know, pandemics. Like this is kind of uh, obviously just sort of a new thing for everybody. And we're going to see kind of how, uh, how I think other, other leagues, other sports kind of manage things probably outside the U.S. That's what we'll have to look at first. Um, and then kind of, kind of go from there because it's, we're, we're just, 
unknown territory for everybody. And, um, you know, I think everybody's just going to have to try to do their best to kind of balance uh, the risks and, and do something that makes sense and is safe. But um, there's obviously a, a whole lot of uh, kind of hurdles still to, to figure out, including obviously the testing one. That's the biggest thing that, you know, I think is going to get mentioned in any of these discussions. The first question is always, well, how do you test and how do you, you know, basically keep people safe and, and know that, um, you know, you're not, you're not setting up. I mean, there's, nothing would be as disastrous as the league trying to hold like a quarantine tournament and then having, you know, players, people from teams, whatever, get in, have uh, some sort of infection and then spread that, you know, to other teams, other players, whatever it might be. I mean, that would just be the ultimate disaster out of all this. So, um, you know, uh, for better or worse, we're a long ways from facing the reality of how to manage that, how to handle that. But I'm sure the league is, is already having to think long and hard about, you know, what, what are the steps, you know, what's the 15 step plan to get to playing basketball again. And um, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're still at the very, 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 very beginning of all that. And so, um, yeah, I'd say today was as, as we sort of alluded to in some of the later tweets today, was really more about managing the risk more so than aggressively taking that step forward. So May 26 is another date, and this is not NBA-related, but when you, you mention other sports leagues and you're going to get your hints from there, May 26 here in Australia, they are, <laughs> they're talking about starting the, the National Rugby League uh, competition over here, which uh, throws up uh, a lot of questions because there's also a team from New Zealand that plays in that uh, competition. So how do they get from New Zealand to Australia? Are they allowed in the country? Then when they go do some sort of quarantine hub, how does that work out? So I think this is going to be really interesting over the next few months as we see countries that uh, are probably uh, doing better right now than the US. Maybe they'll look to start sports beforehand. I think it'll be interesting to see if, if those uh, competitions start to fall over, then you, you're going to know how difficult this is going to be, particularly in a country like the US with the population you have. But hey, I wanted to ask you and uh, you know, I, I don't like to throw things at you without giving you too much warning, but the NFL draft was on the weekend. And uh, I, I know you're a Packers fan. I, you probably don't want to talk about the draft. I, I totally understand that. But I've been thinking about the NBA draft, and we're going to have more pods where we go into more detail uh, with guys that the Bucks could particularly take. With that, uh, right now, as it stands, pick 19, that Pacers pick they got from the sign and trade with Malcolm Brogdon. But uh, in my conversation with Alex Lazary last week, I asked him about preparations and he sort of said, yeah, I mean, you're missing the NCAA tournament, but outside of that, preparations are fine. You can still talk to the guys. You've been scouting for the last year or, and, and longer than that anyway, so you have enough uh, stuff down that you uh, can, can really take into account when you're considering who you're going to pick. But for the Bucks in particular, I find it kind of interesting because if you think about the last two first-round picks that they took with uh, DJ Wilson and Dante DiVincenzo, both guys had pretty good tournaments and it's just made me wonder uh, whether or what direction the Bucks might have gone if, if there was no NCAA tournament. I, I think that this, um, and I was thinking about this a lot as I was watching the NFL draft and trying to consider what might happen with the NBA. I think that this is going to be one of the more interesting things. And, and just from a Bucks point of view, uh, I don't know how deep you, you want to get into this, but I think the fact that there wasn't that opportunity for the guys to play in the big games, whether it's a conference tournament or the, the main tournament in, in particular, I think this is one of the more interesting things. You, you, you lose the opportunity to get these flyers come through. And for the Bucks, uh, that's been a big part of the way they've gone over the last few years. 
Yeah, I mean, two, two probably the two biggest things will, well, let's say three biggest things, you know, no, uh, no NCAA tournament, as you said. So uh, guys who really might have helped their stock with big conference tournaments, uh, big NCAA tournaments, obviously, we'll never have, have gotten to see that. So I think the positive here is that, um, you know, teams will have to judge guys more on their broader, um, kind of the broader, uh, you know, scope of work that, that they've put in there, um, which you know, you mentioned, I mean, Dante, certainly a guy that uh, really solidified himself as a first round pick due to that huge tournament and final four. Um, without that, you know, does he even come out for the draft? Probably not. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I would guess he probably doesn't come out for the draft if not for what he did in the NCAA tournament. And I know, fortunately it's worked out for the Bucks. They, <laughs> they, they did not get, you know, conned into picking a guy that that's always my concern is that, you know, you, you fall in love with a guy in a small sample and, if it's not indicative of what that guy really is, then, you know, have you, have you played yourself, right? I mean, Joe Alexander, probably a, a, the counterexample to that, a guy that had a, you know, a strong end to his junior year at West Virginia in 2008. And, you know, obviously the Bucks among the teams <laughs> that fell in love with him and, you know, clearly they, they missed some things in doing so. Um, so I think pluses and minuses there. I mean, I think again, um, it's going to reward teams that that have the big picture on on player evaluation, which I think is you know probably a positive thing. Um, the other piece is this, you know, no combine, right? There's not going to be any combine where you're going to do athletic testing. I, I don't know if this is as big a deal, just because the best players weren't really doing much here anyway. Nobody was really scrimmaging, it seemed, uh, beyond like more second round type guys. So as far as first round talents go, probably doesn't matter as much. You know, we're not going to obviously have the athletic testing and some of those things. I, I don't know. I view that stuff as kind of overrated anyway. I think the measurement stuff is probably the most interesting. And I'm, I am curious if um, the, uh, you know, agents, right. Especially if you've got a guy who has good measurables, you know, are you going to uh, have the guy um, get measured, you know, basically do things kind of like what the NFL did where they sort of had these like virtual pro days in some respects, but I, yeah. I don't know how, how useful those were, you know, video guys doing three cone drills, things like that. I don't, I don't know how, how valuable that is, but um, probably in the NFL, you know, the, the cone, the, the, the drills and the forties and those things are more important, I would say certainly than in the NBA. Um, but that said, um, you know, you're not going to see that, that kind of Chicago combine influence on the draft uh, guys who don't measure well, maybe they're going to say, Oh yeah, well, I guess we can't, oh, can't measure. Can't get him in. Everybody's quarantined, right? <laughs> um, and then the the last piece is just, you know, the lack of team workouts, right? Um, and again, this is sort of a similar thing as the NCAA tournament where, um, you know, think about a Rashad Vaughn, right? If Rashad Vaughn doesn't come in and it seems like his workout played a big role in him being drafted way higher than pretty much anybody else expected in 2015 by the Bucks. if no, there's no individual workouts, you know, again, I think teams are still going to be able to interview guys, you know, they're going to have zoom meetings, things like that. Maybe in, um, you know, down the road, um, we'll see kind of where things are. Hopefully in a couple of months, we'll be able to do maybe more. So who knows, maybe in a couple of months you will see, um, you know, uh, when there's a line on, on a draft, on the draft, maybe, um, there will be the opportunity to have, um, you know, actual workouts in cities, things like that. But, um, I, who knows it's, we're, again, we're kind of projecting forwards. Um, but, but I don't even know how much a lot of that matters. I think certainly the, the kind of interview stuff teams are still going to be able to do, whether it's virtual or in person. Um, but some of the workout stuff, maybe that, you know, doesn't really happen the way that it previously did, just depending on where they are. So, um, 
yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting year for, for the NBA draft, regardless of when it happens. Um, we don't know exactly when, when that will happen. Um, but let me just say this. I hope that, uh, as, as someone who's a Bucks fan and a Packer fan, I hope that, uh, I am happier with the Bucks draft <laughs> than, uh, most Packer fans were with the Packers draft because, uh, let's just say not a lot of happy Packer fans this weekend. Um, obviously the NFL draft, very different beast than, than an NBA draft where you're picking, you know, one, maybe two guys most years. Uh, versus the NFL draft where you're, you know, picking six, seven, eight guys in a, in a given draft and you, know, you have a much bigger roster that you have to look out for. So um, very different animals, uh, I would say, as far as what, what the drafts are like. Um, but, uh, yeah, not a, lot of, not a lot of thrilled Packer fans with this weekend. Uh, and, again, I, uh, I am not going to offer any – I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that I have any valuable insights into Jordan Love, the quarterback, first pick first or any of the other guys but um yeah let's just say the consensus i saw you um like a composite uh, of draft rankings and the packers were dead last by a large margin across like i don't know like eight or ten uh grades <laughs> sets of grades <laughs> that were given out of the draft and again draft grades you know what are they worth the day after the draft maybe not that much but um you know certainly uh yeah if you're a packer fan that you know i i mean i watched the draft a lot of the draft for the first time and I think 2004 was the last time I really watched a draft. It was like the Eli Manning, Philip Rivers uh, draft back, back way, up, way back when. Um, I don't really remember watching drafts, NFL drafts since then. Um, let's just say this wasn't really the draft to get back into uh, the NFL draft necessarily. Fair Packer fan, not a lot of uh, good vibes around this draft. But I, I don't know what was. I don't even know what happened with the uh, with your Houston Texans. Was did you have I hope better better results from yours? Uh, well, I must admit, and, and this was something I tweeted a couple of times about the Packers, and, and I, I say it, we, we speak about it. I mean, I'm a fan of football. I'm not, I don't get into the details. I could, I could see that um, people were getting frustrated. But to be honest, um, I think I've said this before, but the, the second that the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins, I feel like my interest level in that team and that entire franchise, I mean, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I like a lot of the players they have, but... Uh, the second they traded him, I, I kind of was just like, until they get rid of Bill O'Brien, I'm almost done with the Texans because uh, that that just pissed me off like w- far too much. I, I always said uh, to, to Packers fans, uh, anyone on Twitter, when I, I I was making a few jokes or whatever, I said, listen, it could be worse. All right? you, you could be a Texans fan. You've still got Aaron Rodgers. You're probably still going to be a good team. But I have to ask you one question about a potential prospect declared for the draft over the weekend. McCure Maker, the six foot eleven Sudanese-Australian. Any interest in going down this path again, Frank? 19 years old, can shoot the three. Uh, t- tantalizing <laughs> prospect. <laughs> is, is 19 years old in, in quotes at this point? I, I don't know. I, th- there have been so many uh, makers at this point. that Because um, <laughs> what, the, Matur was, was Thon's younger brother, and Makur, is the, is, he's a cousin. Am I getting this right? Um, yeah. If, if I, have I tried to? Yeah. And I think um, Matur came out last year, and... Uh, was not drafted and I think ended up in, in Europe. Um, where, where is McCore maker uh, trending here? Where, where, where does, does he have any expectation that he might get drafted or is, uh, is the jig up for, for the maker family uh, draft draft hype? No, I, I think he's last time I looked in, in the rankings, he was around 70th. I, I think that, yeah, there, there's no doubt. Maybe, maybe if, if things that have worked out, better for Thon in Milwaukee and, and, you know, even in Detroit, I mean, for the, 
the most part, he really got passed by by Christian Wood, as as we have sort of spoken about and seen. So I, I think that that's definitely hurt him. Uh, although, I mean, you read things that they say that he's he's the best one, but I feel like that's always the pre-draft type. But I, I just wanted to throw it out there to just to see if you had any interest in in uh, in getting another maker on the Bucks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I'm just saying he's number seven. McCore is number 75 in the ESPN top 100. Um, so probably, probably not. Um, okay. Probably not likely to uh, to sneak into uh, the the draft at this point. But but stranger things have happened. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Bucks are probably not going to take the bait on uh, on another maker. But um, you know, in the meantime, good luck to Thon. Uh, we're, we're, I'm missing. I'm missing all basketball right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having flashbacks to many of my favorite Bucks moments of the past few years. And Thon gave us some, right? They I mean, did. you think back to those playoff series. Thon gave us some really fun moments, some really energizing moments. Um, so again, uh, we all love basketball. We always want it to come back. And um, you know, at this point, uh, I can I can find things to look back even in some of the you know the the non sixty one seasons um, too to really enjoy. So uh, shout out. to the, the the maker clan and the dozens of maker uh family members running around and um hey at least we had a at least we had some good times with thon yeah no question i love thon i'm biased i don't care i love him i hope he does well uh but uh, i keep uh talking about this podcast but chad ford's big board make sure you check that out uh we're going to try and get him on the podcast and talk in more detail about some of the prospects that the bucks could be looking at with that number 19 pick as i said but frank uh we're gonna hook up again tomorrow and uh, I got to tell you, I, I don't want to tease too much to the listeners, but there's a listener that's called you out for some comments that you had prior to me joining the podcast. So I look forward to bringing that up and, and seeing your response. Uh, I'll say about six, seven months after the original comment. So I look forward to that. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for Frank and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys then.